Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Well, I never felt more like singing a blues Because I never thought that I'd ever lose your love Why'd you do me this way? Well, I never felt more like crying all night Cause everything's wrong and nothing ain't right without you You got me singing the blues The moon and stars no longer shine The dream is gone, I thought was mine There's nothing left for me to do But cry over you Have you ever read a book or watched a movie where the villain wins? You get to the end and it's not the end you expected because the bad guy wins. Spoiler alert here. If you like the original Star Wars movie, you can think of Empire Strikes Back. Because by the end of that movie, Han Solo has been captured, he's frozen in carbonite, Luke Skywalker's had his hand cut off, and he found out that the evil Darth Vader is actually his father. I hope that wasn't a spoiler for you, everybody should know that by now. If you like the Marvel movies, you can think of Thanos snapping his fingers and wiping out half the population of the entire universe. And on the screen, you watch as some of your favorite superheroes just dissolve into dust, fade to nothing, and they're gone. It's a hard thing to watch that in a movie, to see the bad guy win. It's not supposed to happen like that. It's a hard thing to see in a movie. It's also very hard or very sad when we see that in real life. Uh, And sometimes it really does feel like justice is all screwed up. Life's not fair, and things are not right. Why do good, godly people suffer? And why do wicked, sinful people succeed? Why do the innocent have misery and suffering? And why do the guilty have prosperity and abundance? Last week, I started this new sermon series, this new message series that I call Singing the Blues. Blues music is blue. It is sad. It's a sad song. It's about loss. It's about misery. It's about heartache. It's about things that aren't right and having this longing, this ache for things to become, to be made right. The Old Testament psalms in the Bible are actually songs. They're songs. And some of those songs, the psalms, some of them are blue. One of them is Psalm 10. And in this psalm of lament, which lament means to fervently express your grief, to have this heavy expression of heartache, in this psalm of lament, Psalm chapter 10, David sees the apparent injustice of the world, and he wonders where God is. So that's what we're going to read, Psalm 10. Psalm 10, and we're going to start with verse 1 through 13. Here's what it says. 
Lord, why are you so far away? Why do you hide when there is trouble? Proudly the wicked chase down those who suffer. Let them be caught in their own traps. They brag about the things they want. They bless the greedy but hate the Lord. The wicked people are too proud. They do not look for God. There's no room for God in their thoughts. They always succeed. They are far from keeping your laws. They make fun of their enemies. They say to themselves, nothing bad will ever happen to me. I will never be ruined. Their mouths are full of curses, lies, and threats. They use their tongues for sin and for evil. They hide near the villages. They look for innocent people to kill. They watch in secret for the helpless. They wait like hiding like a lion. They wait to catch poor people. They catch the poor in nets. The poor are thrown down and crushed. They are defeated because the others are stronger. The wicked think God has forgotten us. He doesn't see what is happening. Lord, rise up and punish the wicked. Don't forget those who need help. Why do wicked people hate God? They say to themselves, God won't punish us. Can you hear the tone in this? Can you hear the tone of David's heart? This is frustration because things just don't seem right. The good guys are getting mistreated and the bad guys who are mistreating them are getting away with it. Now remember, this isn't a theology that's describing God. This isn't a theology that's telling us, describing for us God. This is a feeling that David has. God isn't far away. God isn't hiding. God isn't inattentive or uncaring. But this is David expressing how he is feeling. This is David calling it out as he sees it. And in this moment, David is looking around and David sees a lot of injustice. A lot of injustice. He sees a lot of things that just don't seem right. The wicked, he says, are chasing down those who are suffering. The image that he gives us, the words here are, that are used, give us this image of someone hunting, someone chasing down a wounded animal so they can finish it off. They're self-centered, they're boastful about all the things that they can get. They're proud of their greedy pursuits, and they have absolutely no regard for the Lord. It doesn't say that they don't believe in God, but it's obvious that they don't care about God. They don't look for God. There's no room in their thoughts for God. They're far from keeping God's commands, and they are obviously not following his will. They make fun of anyone that they would consider their, anyone, their enemy, anyone who opposes them. And verse, verse 7 says, their mouths are full of curses, lies, and threats. They use their tongues for sin and for evil. In other words, what David is saying is, you can tell that they don't care about God just by the way that they talk. They curse, they lie, they threaten, they sin, and they do these evil things just by the things that they say. They're strong, and they're powerful, and they use their strength to overpower the weak. Just like a lion in ambush, waiting to violently kill its prey. That's 
what David sees. He sees all of this around him. This no regard for God, this oppression of the weak, the strong just being proud of themselves and craving more and not caring about those in need. That's what David sees. And that's what causes David all of this agony and all of this heartache. He sees those with strength and power. He sees those with strength and power oppressing the weak. He sees those without any regard for God and no accountability for their sin. He sees selfishness, he sees pride, and it's all left unchecked and unrestrained. So it causes him to have this agony and this heartache. He doesn't feel like God is doing anything about it. He doesn't feel like there's justice for those living outside of God. There's no justice for those who are blatantly sinning against God. There's no justice for those who use their success or their status to mistreat, to oppress the weak, the poor, or those in need. David feels like there's absolutely nothing that's keeping them in balance. There's nothing that's keeping them restrained. There's nothing holding them back from continuing to just keep on doing this. Verse 6 says, They say, nothing bad will ever happen to me. I'll never be ruined. Verse 11, the wicked think, God has forgotten us. He doesn't see what's happening. In verse 14, they say to themselves, God won't punish us. That's the attitude that David sees. And I wonder, do we ever feel like David feels in this moment? Have you ever Do you ever feel the heartache and the pain of an unjust situation? Do you ever hope to see those who are doing wrong get what they deserve? When I first thought about that, I thought about those moments. You've probably had this moment where you're going down the road, you're going down the highway, and somebody's pushing up on your bumper, and they want around you, and they're pushing you, they're pushing you, they're wanting to get around you, and as soon as they have that moment, they fly around you, and then you drive up a little further down the road, and you see them pulled over. How does that make you feel? You're going, sweet justice. That's what you're thinking. Now imagine that, though, but imagine that for something that's way more significant, something much bigger and much more consequential. The crime is committed, the arrest is made, the trial happens, and the guilty are convicted. Sweet justice. That's the way that it's supposed to happen. That's the way that it's supposed to go. And it's okay and it's appropriate to want and to expect and to hope for justice. It's okay to want justice. It's okay to long for justice. It's okay to be just like David in this moment and grieve when things aren't just. To grieve for injustice. But let me also encourage you. As you grieve and as your heart longs for justice, keep trusting that God is just. Keep trusting that God is just. That's what David did. Let me read the rest of this psalm. If you turn again to Psalm 10, this time we'll start with verse 14 and go to verse 18. 
Lord, surely you see these cruel and evil things. Look at them and do something. People in trouble look to you for help. You're the one who helps the orphans. Break the power of wicked people. Punish them for the evil that they've done. The Lord is king forever and ever. Destroy from your land those nations that do not worship you. Lord, you've heard what the poor people want. Do what they ask and listen to them. Protect the orphans and put an end to suffering so they'll no longer be afraid of evil people. You see, the end of this psalm, the first part of it, David is crying out and longing for justice, but this last half of it is David expressing that he does trust God as being just. He knows that God does see the sin and the cruelty of people. It's not going unnoticed. God is very much aware of the sin and the cruelty of people. He knows that God's character is good And God's character is trustworthy. He knows that God is the God who does help those in need. He helps the orphans. He helps those oppressed and afflicted. He knows that God will break the power of the wicked people and punish them for the evil that they have done. And he declares that the Lord is king forever and ever. And he appeals to him for justice. He says this. He says, destroy from your land the nations that do not worship you. Now, stop and think about that for a moment. David spoke that sentence. He spoke that from within a national covenant relationship with God. Israel was God's chosen nation. They were the people of God. In this psalm, David calls out to God for judgment on the wicked individually and on the pagan foreign nations. Well, since Jesus' death and resurrection, since the New Testament, the people of God are no longer a chosen nation. The people of God come from many different nations. The chosen people of God are those who are in Christ, saved by grace. We're not defined by a race, by national heritage or culture. We're not defined by a country. We are the worldwide church. And as the church, we stand against any abuse of power. We stand against any oppression of the weak. We ask for God's justice against any nation or anyone who maliciously uses their position and their authority to their benefit and at the expense of hurting others. We ask for God's justice against any nation or anyone who approves of or encourages sin against God. We ask for God's justice against those who are intentionally, willfully, and actively opposed to the Lord and his church. We stand in faith as the church. We stand in faith and we ask for God's justice against the things that are wrong. But please, listen very close. Because even as we call for justice... Even as we call for justice, which we should be doing as God's people, we should be calling out for justice. But even as we call out for justice, we need to be very cautious. Have you noticed in our world today, 
Have you noticed that there's a lot of division? That might be an understatement even. There's so much division in our world today. There's a lot of us versus them. Republican or Democrat. Tolerant versus intolerant. Pro-life, pro-choice, radical right, liberal left, CNN, Fox News. And it really seems like this. It really seems like everyone is picking their side, picking their camp, and they're saying, if you're not in this camp with me, I don't want anything to do with you. In fact, if you're not in this camp with me, you're my enemy. I stand here, so I stand against you. I stand here, so I stand against you. It's an us versus them position. According to the Christian faith, there are only two categories of people. Those in Christ and those outside of Christ. As Christians, we are those who are in Christ. And if we chose to live like the world, we would say, I'm in Christ and you're not, so therefore you're my enemy. If we live like the world, that's what we would do. Because that's how the world operates. If you're not with me, you're my enemy. We would hate them. We would attack them with our words. We would be mean. We would be critical. We would be condemning. We would look down upon them from this position of superiority, arrogance, and pride. But Jesus once told a parable that I think kind of applies to this. In Luke 18, verse 9 through 14, Jesus told this story to some people who thought they were good and looked down on everyone else. A Pharisee and a tax collector both went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood alone and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people who steal, cheat, or take part in adultery, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give one-tenth of everything I get. The tax collector, standing at a distance, would not even look up to heaven. But he beat on his chest because he was so sad, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, when this man went home, he was right with God, but the Pharisee was not. All who make themselves great will be made humble, but all who make themselves humble will be made great. Jesus teaches us to look at other people with a very humble attitude. We don't look down upon them as they are less than us and we're superior to them. We don't look down upon them. We look across to them. Because the truth is, here's the truth. We share more in common than we often care to admit. First of all, we're all made in the image of God. We are all made in the image of God. In Genesis, we learn that God is the author of life. He created each and every single one of us. God chose to give each and every one of us life. And in the Bible, we also learn that God created us in his image. We are brothers and we are sisters in our humanity, in our creation by God. And all of us have this intrinsic value, this incredible worth, just because of that. Just because we were created by God, we have this value and this worth. When you find yourself at odds with someone else, on different sides of an issue, try to remember, God gave them life, just as he did for you. 
And that's not all we share. We are all also sinners in need of grace. We are all sinners in need of grace. Romans 3.23 tells us that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of that glory of God. 1 John 1.8 tells us that if we, if we claim to be without sin, we're lying to ourselves and the truth is not in us. If I'm a Christian and I admit and acknowledge my own sin, which by the way, you can't be a Christian if you don't acknowledge your own sin. If, if you're a Christian and you admit and acknowledge your own sin, why do we still act surprised and frustrated when those who are outside of the faith do sinful things? Why does that surprise us? Why are we expecting those that do not have Christ to live according to Christ? We are all sinners. The only difference is Christ. We, in Christ, we are forgiven sinners. And in Christ, we are overcoming our sin and becoming more like Christ. But let's remember that all of us need the grace of God. All of us need the grace of God. There's only two types of people in this world, the saved and the lost. Both the saved and the lost are made in the image of God. Both the saved and the lost have been guilty of sin. The only difference is the amazing grace of God. Our salvation was not earned or achieved because we are good and right. We're not saved because we stand on the right side of an issue. We're not saved because we hold the right position on this issue. We are all saved by grace. Our salvation was a gift of grace. When it comes to justice, when it comes to God making things right, you know where we could look? We could look at the cross. Because on the cross, justice was given. The punishment for sin was paid by Jesus. Romans verse 324, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We've been justified. That term means made right. We have been made right with God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. As Christians who are living in a right relationship with God, we should have a heart for justice. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. God's word calls us to act with justice, to stand against abuse and oppression, to defend the weak and those in need, to support crime prevention and the punishment of the guilty. Proverbs 29.7 says, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Proverbs 28.5 says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. When David wrote this psalm, when David wrote Psalm 10, his heart was aching because of the injustice of the world. That was a long, long time ago. And here we are today, and our hearts are still aching for justice. I'm afraid 
that as this world turns further and further away from God, justice will become even harder to find. Today, we often see sin being redefined into a virtue. Today, it's common for righteousness to be considered offensive. And when that happens, when sin is considered to be a virtue, and when righteousness becomes offensive, when that happens, justice becomes very distorted. And here's, what's ha- here's what happens when justice is, dis- is twisted. When justice is out of whack and it's twisted, here's what happens. The wicked are praised and protected, and the innocent are criticized and mistreated. That's what happens when justice gets mixed up. The wicked are praised and protected, and the innocent are criticized and mistreated. But as Christians, let's remember that our purpose is not to win a culture war. Our purpose as Christians is not to win a war against the culture. Our purpose is to glorify God by being more like Christ. And we are justified, we are made right with God through Jesus Christ. But this world is not right. And we lament. We have a sorrow, a heartache because of that. And we express our sorrow and our pain for this broken, fallen world. But we also keep the faith. And we keep trusting God. God is just. And I love this definition from the ATS Bible Dictionary. It says, God's justice is that essential and infinite attribute which makes his nature and his ways the perfect embodiment of of equity and constitutes him the model and the garden of equity throughout the universe. There will be a day when justice is given. A day where the Lord makes everything right. Evil does not win. The guilty will be punished. And the innocent will be uplifted. Romans 12, 19 says, Leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Psalm 96, 13 says, He's coming to judge the world. He will judge the world with fairness and the people with truth. The Lord will return and make things right. Truth will prevail. Psalm chapter 7, verse 17 says, I will thank the Lord because he is just. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.